And we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is my counterpart, Joe DeLeon. Good evening. Good, sir. Blake, I'm like shocked by how much news that we had in the college football world to react to on the Sunday of the Super Bowl. What what are the odds that we've got three of the biggest coaching changes that could have happened throughout the not the entire cycle, obviously, but for most of this cycle, for the past two years, all of the stuff that happened this weekend, we get to talk about today. Yeah, you know, I, I called Roger Goodell and asked him if he would, you know, because we go live at six. I asked him if he'd push the Super Bowl back an oh, hour, nice. that's nice hour and a half, and um, obviously he said no. <laughs> so we're having to go live a little bit earlier, um, but it's going to be fun, Joe. I, I got to admit, I, I I've been I'm pretty fired up, okay, and, and excited about this um, about this episode and this show mainly because I think the take that I will have here, especially about Chip Kelly, is I think two things can be true at once, okay? Um, but as my four, about-to-be-five-year-old would say, Nanana Boo Boo, told you so. Told you so. Are you saying that to me or just to general No, I'm just saying in general public. to all okay. the UCLA fans, some of the national media that pushed back on what I was saying about Chip Kelly – what do we – come on, man. Uh, Chip uses Bruce Feldman and others, which is fine. A lot of head coaches do this. And coaches with his prestige do this. He They try to spin out a narrative about Chip Kelly. None of it's true. He wanted to leave because he is who he is. He is a runner. When adversity hits in the past, he has run. But another thing can be true, too. He could go to Ohio State and be a damn good, strong play caller, which I think he's going to be. Now you get to a place where for Ohio State, it is a national championship appearance this year or bust. That is where you are. But it doesn't stop the absolute cra craziness of what Chip Kelly has done. And I told you, Joe, we followed this shit. We have followed this more than I think some people wanted us to and with Chip Kelly. And I told you he should you should fire him if you're UCLA. Had so many people in the comments saying Blake's an idiot. Well, Blake's not an idiot right now, is he? Well, that's the the crazy part about this conversation is that there's a one, a lot of different indirect impacts that happen with this, a lot of indirect conversations that we now can have, national championship odds what it means for Ryan Day if he doesn't get there like you just talked about. What this means for UCLA, and are they a completely dead program, and depending on who they can actually go and hire at this point, the current coaching staff, the current roster, getting completely screwed by Chip Kelly. And then the other part of this is just the overarching discussion of how the hell in 2024 are we in this position where a head coach in the same conference can get up and leave and go and take an offensive coordinator job that has never happened. And I don't think actually that could happen a lot more going forward, which is why I want to dive into it. Well, obviously this comes because Bill O'Brien, who was the OC at Ohio state is leaving and staying in the, in the new England area, obviously going to be the next head coach of Boston college, which we'll also talk about uh, as well. We will dive into chip, but Joe, it's not the only coaching news that we have. Um, you were really excited about this news, but Ryan Grubb, the yeah. 
Alabama offensive coordinator who a week ago today came out uh, to Tuscaloosa Boosters and said he would be the offensive coordinator for Alabama, which the day after the portal window closed for players at Alabama, by the way, uh, he is heading to Seattle or staying in Seattle and going to be the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Yeah, I'm not excited. Dirty. dirty. It was dirty. It yes, was dirty. That I want to talk about because of how misleading it is to try and keep these kids thinking that they're going to play for Ryan Grubb. Now, Ryan Grubb is not the creator of the offense. He is the orchestrator. He's the one who was leading the direction, but DeBoer is the one who it's his scheme, all that stuff we'll discuss later. But I'm not like excited because I, 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 I don't mean to seem like I am constantly anti-Alabama. It's just hilarious how much they've been constantly knocked down a peg throughout this whole process. It's been a very humbling experience, as humbling as it possibly could have been for Alabama fans. And I don't want to say that they needed this, but they got what they, that's what they got throughout this whole process. Not well, the sexiest I, head coach name, and you lose your offensive coordinator, and then the defensive coordinator hire again. Not a super sexy name. It's just, it's been a weird month and a half for them. Well, let, let me say this, because like I, I think that the title of this show could be Two Things Can Be True at Once. I, I see Alabama fans on Twitter, or X, okay, constantly talking shit about Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Get ready because welcome to reality because you're about to face reality. Um, We'll talk about Ryan Grubb, okay, as well. Heading to Seattle, where do they go? You know, what do they do? I do think that there's some potential candidates on staff that could just be uh, promoted from within. Yeah. Uh, our buddy David Cohn from the Daily Wire, uh, Crane and Company, played quarterback with a guy in Michigan who is currently on the Alabama staff. He's the tight ends coach. He could obviously uh, uh, be promoted. We'll talk about that. Uh, but a lot of coaching news and that we need uh, to discuss. Not the only thing uh, as well. Um, Joe, we talked about Tennessee and, and their issue. Um, we'll continue to follow that. But you know what is funny in all this, with all of this news, Colorado – finally makes a move with their DC and nobody really even talks about it because all of this other stuff has been happening, but we'll mention Dion get making his hire with Livingston uh, as their next defensive coordinator. Yeah. No one, no one's talking about it because it's, it's not like a, it's a good hire, which is why no one's talking about it. It's, it's not like a super sexy glitz and glamor. Well, type he also of a hire. One sap too. Our buddy Warren sap. I'm, I'm refrained from adding any anything for that, <laughs> but my Why? point is, it's Warren Sapp. No, no, it's fun. It's just I, I'm, I, he's never coached before, so I don't know what his impact is going to be uh, as a coach. It's a little optimistic to assume that he's going to be good, but with the Colorado thing, this is a really well, co you know, really experienced guy that you're pulling from the NFL, which I'm liking this trend by college teams doing this. And bringing in NFL guys who know how to manage a lot of personalities, especially a team with as much NIL money as the top guys are getting with Colorado, but it's not getting talked about because it's you know it's 
it's not like all of their other offseason moves. This isn't like a Dion get excited, rally the troops type of a move. It's a really simple hire, which is why it's a good hire. That's kind of where I stand on this. Um, can, sure. If that makes sense. Like, I don't even know how to like truly make sense. Sure. It's good, but it's not like, oh my God, this is going to get them over the hump. Like, it's not I'm like a- starting to be at a place where I think that if this, if any other coach were allowing things like what Dion's allowing, we would be very vocal on the direction of their program. I agree. You know, you, you allow you having your son come out and say, I'm the best quarterback in the country. Okay. I, I love the confidence. Uh, but I do think your watches that he wears are is blinding him to the fact, like, look, man, okay, you're a really good player, you're a really good quarterback, but at the same time, it, it's time to start buckling down. All this NIL stuff, all this media stuff you're doing, it's time to get to work. And and I think that they will. But it's time for Colorado and Dion to get some to get to work because I'm tired of of hearing all of the, hey, look at what we're doing, look at all the social media stuff, and they just had to self impose some stuff that I, I'll mention uh, as well when we get that segment. All right, so Joe, we got lots to discuss. Let's waste no time in doing it. Let's talk about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag uh, before we get into the day show. Everybody, do us a favor. You're on Facebook, hit the like and share. Share to all of those social media groups. Share to all of those social media pages. You're watching us, listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, and notification bell. Wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. And follow us if you are watching us on Caffeine TV. Joe, I had some people ask us if we would if we would start streaming on Rumble. And I'm like... I, I actually did start looking into that. So I think that that might happen sooner rather than later. Okay. I don't know what a Rumble is, but okay. I know that you know Dana White's you you know uh, power slap comes on it, but that I have no idea what Rumble is. We might be getting a Rumble page. We'll see. All right, let's get rolling. Let's talk about our good friends at BetOnline.ag. Chip Kelly to Ohio State. We talk about that next. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports contests, events, with the first to market odds and lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag. We're back! Obviously, Joe, I can't believe we didn't bring this up in the opening. I guess we need to have a small little conversation about the Super Bowl today. Do you want to have it now, or you want to have it at the end of the show? Let's do it at the end of the show. Okay. Um, Iowa State's own Brock Purdy might win a Super Bowl. I don't – you know what? I don't care who wins as long as Brock Purdy plays bad. That's all I care about. Brock Purdy so bad? Because he sucks. Because he's not good. And we've painted him into being this – The general public's love for this guy, despite him being mediocre, pisses me off. This is what I, I get mad over. Okay, so it's, you're not really mad at him. You're mad at the media. 
I, I'm mad at just casual fans. That's oh, what okay, I don't like. Don't be mad at Brock Purdy. No, Matt I'm taking Campbell, it out on Brock. I'm taking Matt it out on Campbell. Him. Might have a Super Bowl winning quarterback before Lincoln Riley does. How about that? And I hope that doesn't come true. All right. Joe, over the week, or actually on Friday, uh, Bill O'Brien um, is heading or staying put, really, I guess you could say, in the Boston area. He is going to be the next head coach of Boston College. We'll talk about the move for Bill O'Brien. Uh, and, and I thought you touched on it pretty perfectly um, the other day when this being a big-time family decision as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll talk about Bill O'Brien, who was going to be the offensive coordinator for Ohio State before he took the next head coaching job at Boston College. But, Joe, I, I am going – and you we could even title this segment, okay, as this, at least for me. I think multiple things, as the old saying goes, multiple things can be true at once, Okay. Let me start off with Chip Kelly, who is obviously the head coach at UCLA before now taking the offensive coordinator role at Ohio State. We'll talk about him being the play caller at Ohio State, and I think he's going to do a fantastic job. Him and Ryan Day go way back. I think that this is going to be a great connection for them. We'll talk about the, the impact that it, it, that it has and it means for Ohio State. But, Joe, I got to come back to – what we talked about a month ago when we started talking about Chip Kelly, is he going to be fired? Should he be fired? Is he going to move on? What's going to happen? I'm old enough to remember, and I'm fired up about this segment, by the way, but I'm old enough to remember when I said you need to fire Chip Kelly. You know, Joe, my reasoning then is still the reasoning now because now it's played out the way that Chip Kelly's career has always played out in, in a sense. When the going gets tough, he doesn't bite down on his mouthpiece and continue to try to move hard or move forward. Okay, what he does is is he moves and he leaves and he gets out of dodge before okay, Shizite hits the fan. Now he couldn't do that in the NFL because look, he was having not a lot of success when he was with the 49ers and they obviously moved on from him. This is who Chip Kelly is, and he leaves UCLA in a very dire situation, a very bad situation. I don't think that Chip Kelly, I'm going to be real with you, okay, I think he's a really good coach, okay? I think he's a great X's and O's guy. He's not built for today's game. He hates to recruit. He, he, he doesn't want to put in the work when it comes down to going out there and recruiting kids. If you don't like recruiting, you're going to get beat. And I think he's running away a little bit because UCLA is going into the Big Ten and they're going to get their teeth kicked in. Now, Joe, you brought up a, a thought during this whole Chip Kelly thing and asked, well, the boosters aren't really getting behind in him and helping him. And the question that I always asked was, well, they sure as hell were helping him when it came to NIL things when you go and get a kid like Dante Moore. No, I think that Chip Kelly, to be honest with you, is a lazy recruiter, and he is the Kelly, listen to me closely, he is the Kelly that we should talk about being a lazy recruiter than what we uh, guys like Brian. I'm just going to throw that out there. Knew that was coming. Chip Kelly is what? a very lazy recruiter, and, and I'm going to be real with you. Other than being a play caller in college, I don't think today's game is built for him. Should have guessed that you were going to find a way 
to bring up Brian Kelly in this conversation, throw, even though there's no relation I, to I'm any of this. It, I'm just throwing it out there because, look, okay. here's the truth. Brian Kelly does get put at, labeled as a lazy recruiter by a lot of people, all right? That's not the Kelly that they need to talk about. Joe, he has a situation at UCLA where he can he could have been sustainable. He could have bought that. He could have won eight, nine games every year. They wouldn't have said a word. Yeah, but, but UCLA, UCLA is such a non-factor as a good foot, consistently good football program that funds it effectively that it doesn't even matter what he's doing really as a recruiter. Like I, I think that this whole discussion what has do you been mean by that. UCLA stinks. UCLA is not putting the money in necessary for them to be a good good athletic Can you explain program. Explain Dante more for me, please. They put in money to sign one kid. Signing one kid does not fix you your think that program. you think that they only did that for one player. The perfect example is the fact that their basketball program, which has a good coach that has made it far in the tournament, has been dog shit. And their coach has complained about the lack of booster support in NIL publicly, and they're terrible this year. They are not good as an athletic program. There isn't a single sport that they are good and competitive in because their boosters, despite having a ton of money, do not put money into it. So what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, he's a lazy recruiter. I don't disagree with that, but it almost doesn't even matter because UCLA was never going to be a good football pro program. Brian Kelly's under a much... I'm not trying to continue this conversation too far with the Brian Kelly stuff. Yeah, he's under a much he's on a, under a much larger microscope because he's at one of the biggest and best football programs in my I I, I got to stop hitting a table because when I hit the table it dislodges my microphone. Brian Kelly's under a bigger mi microscope because he's at one of the biggest football programs. I was just taking a jab at you be okay. behind that. Okay. Okay. How does that, what you just said though, how does that stop what he just did? Because oh, what it he, doesn't. Because what he just did was a little sleazy. Yeah, it was petty. It was very petty. He was clearly pissy about the way that things were being handled, and he just screwed over the whole entire coaching staff and the roster. Like all those kids just got screwed over. All of those coaches just got completely screwed over because it's too late for them really to go find somewhere else to play and then to coach. Well, look, I don't necessarily disagree with you in the direction and what, okay, UCLA is. But what I would say and, and counteract to that is I don't think anybody's expecting UCLA to be that. And, and let me tell you this, too. When Chip Kelly got to UCLA, Florida was open. The Florida job was open, and they wanted him. He wanted to go to the West Coast. Him going to UCLA is his issue and his issue alone. You can't be – you can't go to a place like UCLA, okay, and know the, the, the hurdles that you have, and when you hit the hurdles, be mad that those hurdles exist, okay, when you're there. But that was pre-NIL. That was pre-all of the so current landscape had, that we have. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine, okay? Are we going to literally sit here and act like, though, that not everybody's going through the same situations? Because it, Yeah, and certain teams have stepped up to the plate and certain, wanted, certain ones have not. But he, he couldn't have predicted be, that was going to happen. Oh, sure, but everybody's going through the same issues. 
He couldn't win a national title at Oregon. He fled. Okay? Things got hard in Philadelphia. He left. No, he got he, fired. Yeah, sure. He got fired, but you he could have, in my opinion, saved some of the things that were going on in Philadelphia. I disagree with that, and I don't think we need to go down that rabbit hole because he, he built a shitty roster and completely ruined that team. Oh, that so was he built what happened. He another place where he built a shitty roster and yeah. he blamed it on other people. There was a reason, Joe, because of – let me ask you this question. Anywhere Chip Kelly has gone for long periods of time, has there not been a little pettiness and chaos around it? Yes, there has been. And a lot of his former players, I think it was LaShawn McCoy, has been one of the more outspoken. Vocal. Very vocal. About who he is as a person. I think what you're trying to get at, which I completely agree with, no matter what happens at Ohio State, and say they go on to win a national title this upcoming year, they should not, or sorry, not they, nobody should hire Chip Kelly ever again as a head coach. He I agree. Coming up on the end of his coaching timeline, I would argue relatively soon. He is a offensive coordinator in the NFL and in the college level for the rest of his time. I think there is enough evidence to prove that Chip Kelly cannot be a successful head coach at either level, especially the college level, because of his lack of willingness to recruit and effectively build rosters. I he's just horrible at it. And and this is the worst case scenario of how he could have handled things is proof that he is not the right man to lead a football program, to lead a group of young men. He is a whiteboard genius. Which leads That's what you're getting. Well, which leads me to my second point. Two things can be true at once. He goes to a place at Ohio State where, Joe, to be honest with you, he would have to really, really try not to recruit at all. Okay, he would really, really, really have to try to be bad at Ohio State because Ryan Day and that staff is going to put together. I mean, look, he's got Julian Sane that's coming in, Aaron Nolan. He's got Will Howard. The the the. There are two things true that I still think it's a great move by Chip Kelly, regardless of how sleazy it is him leaving UCLA. It's a great move for him. Now, I think getting to what Chip Kelly will be at Ohio State, I think it's a great hire for Ryan Day. They have a lot of connections. They know each other. I think both of them know exactly how the other likes to do things. And really, all Chip Kelly has to do is go X's and O's on a whiteboard. Okay, that's all he's got to do. It's tailor-made for him. Now, you make a hire like Chip Kelly. <clears throat> it leads me to this. Ryan Day now, I, I would give him a little bit more of an excuse with Bill O'Brien because he, he doesn't really know Bill, and you're trying to bring in a big-name offensive coordinator. Now that you go and pay out a head coaching buyout to bring in Chip Kelly as your O.C., Ryan Day has no excuses now. They have gone all in with him to try to get him over that hump. Joe, I, I will tell you, from an X's and O's standpoint offensively, I, I look, I'm expecting them to be, at minimum, a top-five offensive team, if not a top-three offensive team. They should be there. I know that you're not as big on Will Howard as I am. I think Will Howard, because of everything around him, now that he's got two dynamic play callers and Ryan Day and Chip Kelly – along with the backfield that he has, the receivers that he has, Joe, I think Will Howard is going to make a very massive leap. 
I, I disagree. I, I actually disagree with that. I, and that okay. was kind of like a later point I wanted to get to. All right. Well, can I can I finish? Just Go ahead. On here. All right. My thought now with Chip Kelly coming in as as their offensive coordinator, it is national championship game appearance or bust. They are there. You've brought in way too much talent. You have way too much coaching talent, especially offensively and defensively. Really, Joe, they got to get there. It, it, it would be it would be a um. I don't want to say travesty. It would be they would miss, okay, on everything that they've brought in if they don't get there. So this situation, we really liked Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator more than most people did. We, we acknowledge that he was unfairly criticized for some things that he couldn't control and still produced some really talented football players, some very talented offenses that made all of us optimistic of what Ohio State was going to be in 2024 them losing bill o'brien is like your lexus getting stolen out of your driveway and your insurance company replaced it with a ferrari yeah it's it's like having your lexus stolen out of your driveway and getting it replaced by a lamborghini that is how insane of a jump this is that no one i think would have expected that an interaction like this could have happened chip kelly honest with you ohio state as a as a whole should be praised on okay. Ohio, Bill O'Brien's leaving, Joe. It was a, within within twelve hours. Yeah, Bill O'Brien leaves. Boom, Chip Kelly's in. That is what you call a hell of a front office move. Ohio State is functioning at a higher level. It might be at the highest level than anybody in the country when it comes to personnel moves and coaching moves. Now, my biggest takeaway from this: the run game which we already were high on, Travion Henderson, Quinshawn Judkins are about to have a prolific season. The rushing attacks that Chip Kelly has put together, the seasons that even with the Eagles, with Oregon, even at UCLA, he took Zach Charbonnet, who is a fine running back, and turned him into one of the better running backs in the country two years ago. The running game is going to take a massive step forward. It's going to be unbelievable the production that they're going to have running the football. I just, I think that the only, not loser in this situation, but the one I'm a little, I'm wary of to determine, see if if it's a fit, is Will Howard playing in an offense that historically has featured more mobile quarterbacks. Okay, I know that Sam Bradford, not probably a little bit more similar to, to Will Howard in terms of like physical profile, but for the most part, all of these guys that have played in Chip Kelly's offense have been very mobile quarterbacks. I'm not saying he can't succeed. I'm just saying I I need to see how he's going to fit because it feels a little weird. And another piece to this, I think it's a lock that Aaron Nolan ends up being the quarterback who wins that later battle between Julian Sane and him. I I think that that, that Aaron Nolan is the perfect player to play within this this Oregon Chip Kelly scheme that we're going to get in not this upcoming season, but next year. And I also just final quarterback thought, I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Brown doesn't find his way into the offensive mix as a wildcat guy, as a sub package guy, way more than he was supposed to be getting onto the field last year. That's another thing I would pay attention to. I would agree with you if 
Chip Kelly would have the full reign of the offense. It was his former head coach. I think he's going to give him yeah, a lot of but, control. But Ryan Day is going to still be more pro, lean more pro style stuff. I agree with you with the running game. Okay. But from a passing attack, this is where I think it makes them dangerous. I think Ryan Day, from a passing attack standpoint, is, is actually above Chip Kelly when it comes to throwing the football around. Yeah. Chip is a mastermind in the running game, which what which is look, you bring him in. I, I got to be real with you. I think that them as a duo makes this more dangerous because I think Ryan Day gets to a place where, hey, man, when it comes, Chip, when it comes down to it in the passing game, I'm going to have a lot of say so, which this is where I agree, disagree with you on. The only thing I disagree is I think that Ryan Day is going to want to be a little bit more pro style when it comes to getting back in the pocket, drop back, throwing the football around. Joe, we just saw it. All right. I think there's a reason that you bring in a guy like Will Howard, and I think there's a reason you bring in a guy like Chip Kelly because they're going to be dynamic in the running game. But don't act, don't forget what kind of quarterback was Ryan Day. Ryan Day was not a run around type of guy. They, yeah, him like we back, saw him play. It was a UNH. <laughs> well, I, I saw him play. I saw a clip just a moment ago. Yeah, the one I shared, you, the one that you shared. Yeah. All I'm saying is I think it is a great hire, okay? I would even go to as far as to say clearly this is as big of a home run hire as that you can have now that Bill O'Brien is out of the door. I just want to make it well known, though, when going back to the original point, when I took a lot of criticism about telling UCLA to fire Chip Kelly, they should have done it. I just don't think he wants to be a head coach in today's in today's world, and that's fine. Now, let me ask you this question: Where does UCLA go from here? Uh, by the way, just randomly thinking to myself that like we could probably have done the whole show just on this thing because of how many different linears or not linears verticals that we could have taken with this. Um, because that was the next thing that I wanted to, to bring up is like where does UCLA sit? David Shaw has been brought up. His son is a wide receiver on the team. That one can make sense just to bring in a guy who's been around, who understands the circumstance of trying to run a program that's got academic issues, or not issues, but restrictions. And they're one of those schools that's on like the quarter system that makes it a little tricky with, with trying to get guys in for admission's sake. He makes sense. PJ Fleck denied it. Um, which Brent, Brent Brennan denied it. Yeah. Tom Herman is somebody who has a connection to the athletic director from when they were both at Ohio State, I believe. But the one for me that I'm going to go do that has two impacts here is DeAnton Lynn, who was just hired away as the USC offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. You go and get Lynn, roster continuity, coaching staff continuity. You're not having to reshuffle much. You've got the team figured out. They're ready to rock. Most of those guys are not going to leave. And you also get to give a nice middle finger to USC, who stole the guy who is an up-and-coming coach in the industry. So I think you need to call DeAnton Lynn. The guy doesn't even need to move or look for a new house unless he wants to get a bigger one. Offer him as much money as he needs. Double his coordinator's salary. And I think he takes the gig. I understand David Shaw because of his experience being a successful head coach, I would not Lynn is the guy. 
yeah. I would not go David Shaw. I think I think that be can I be real with you? I like David Shaw. I never understood the hype. Ever. Well, because Stanford was good, but they were never elite. He was he good was because of Harbaugh, the way that Harbaugh left that place. Yeah. He wasn't good because of himself. He ran that place into the ground a little. Like, let's not. Well, now, okay, but. Stanford, he, Troy Taylor's he, another guy that whose name has constantly come up in this. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be a good. Um, another really probably a uh, guy that not a lot of people talk about that I think that could, could get that job. But Lynn, being the guy, I, I look, he's recruited there. He knows the ramifications. I think that you got to go make him your head coach because I do think, Joe, that there was a reason that UCLA was a top defensive team this year, okay, in a conference that had a lot of really good offenses. I think that it would be the I, – I, can I be because of where you're at at the current moment, I don't want to say it's your only move. It's your smartest move. Because you you would keep a lot of the guys that are on that roster to main, to stay there, maintain there. And we've seen him recruit defensively at a really good level there. And I got to be real with you, Joe. If he had success at UCLA from a recruiting standpoint and brought in the personnel at UCLA, what is he going to do as a head coach? And, and I got to tell you something. I wouldn't be surprised, to be real with you, what if Joe? What if he goes into UCLA, or if somebody goes into UCLA and recruits at a higher level and starts getting them back a little bit on track? How bad does that look on Chip Kelly? Because I I do think that you get to a place where you have to ask yourself the question: Was this a Chip Kelly laziness and recruiting thing on why they didn't have success? And I think I, that, I do think that Lynn could be the guy that goes in there and really brings in some really good talent. I, I fully believe that. I think that at the very least, Deanton Lynn is somebody who has proven creativity in roster construction and, and utilization with the guys that he turned into highly productive football players. I mean, the Murphy twins this past year, I don't think they were crazy highly recruited, but they were two of the best defensive linemen in the country, and that was why this defense was so good this year. Leitu Latu is a phenomenal player. The only reason that they won football games was was because of Lynn. It was because of DeAnton Lynn. Their offense was a a cluster F. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Chip Kelly's offense was a cluster F. Huh? Okay. All right. I'm not. I'm just not a fan of being that shady. I don't think it's shadiness. I think it's just like him. It's like skittishness. You know, it's it's him not having the nuts to step up to the table and say, you know what? I didn't get this thing right. I'm stepping out. And he should have stepped out at the end of the season. I will say, though, this actually, in a way, they don't have to pay his buyout. And then they get money from Ohio State. I mean, that's a big little bit of a big. Yeah, but they're going to have to go use that money for their own buyout. Like if they gotta go, if they go get Troy Taylor, it's it's all gonna be a wash. The money's I'm, not. I'm the mostly issue. joking. I know. I'm mostly but joking. I will, I will say this to your point, and I, I think that this is something that we need to un, like. This is the biggest storyline for me in all of this. Ryan Day, you have been on the clock at Ohio State because Ohio State is who they are. They will always be who they are because Ohio State's one of the, one of the best programs in college football. Top five. However, you want to order it. I, I'm not here to argue with you. Ohio State is the top five program in college in college football. 
Joe, this puts him more on the clock than he's ever been. Because they went and got a head coach and spent the money to make Chip Kelly their next offensive coordinator. That is the number one storyline. It You can make it the storyline of, yeah, Chip leaving. It's it's unprecedented. We've never really seen this before. No, the, the real story here is, Ryan Day, there is no excuse. Zero excuses. Because, Joe, how they made an unprecedented move that you just don't see. So if Ryan if Ryan Day felt the pressure before, he sure as hell is going to feel the pressure now. He's got to win the I, Big Ten. He's got to get to a national title. It's it's it, it's a uh, um, a letdown if he doesn't. I absolutely agree with you on this. I mean, I'm going to just say it. I'm not even going to dance around it. If they don't win a national title or at least get to the game. Ryan Day needs to be fired. You have supplied him every single goddamn resource to succeed. And I don't mean to take the negative angle here. We, For anyone who's watching just this segment, go watch the other segment where we talked about how great the offense is going to be. Right. But the negative side of this is that if you do not win and at least get to the national championship this upcoming season without having to face Harbaugh, with all of the roster pieces that were just brought in. This is a top two transfer portal class that you just brought top in. It might be, yeah, you know what? It's the best transfer portal class out of anybody. And <laughs> they return some of the best defensive starters in the country. And they the add Caleb Downs. And you add one of the most brilliant, I completely forgot about Caleb Downs, one of the most brilliant offensive minds in the 2000s and 2010s in Chip Kelly. If you can't get there with all of this shit, you're not going to get there at any point. And you know what? Ross Bjork, the athletic director, deserves a lot of credit. No, but he's brought in a lot to fire people. He is the guy that is brought in to fire people. Well, he was brought, he he was fired, he fired, um, he fired Jimbo. And then am I am I incorrect in saying that when he was at Ole Miss from, from 2012 to 2019, that he did he not fire? Was that Hugh that he fired? Yeah, but that that's a completely different situation. Okay? okay, completely different situation. But he's fired people. Is my whole point, and he's he's had a propensity. Yeah, I to do don't. It. I I can't. I'm not going to go there with Ross because Ross. Can I be real with you? Okay. Ross doesn't make this move this early in his AD in his AD decision making. You don't think so? you don't think that if no. he can't get there that they no, don't can I, him? No, I, no, I no. I'm talking bringing his own guy. Only, hold on. I'm talking about going and getting Chip Kelly. Right? Like this Oh, is, oh, oh. This is – okay, Ross Bjork is going to uh, – Ryan Day is not his guy. You are right on that. It is not his guy. But uh, what I will say is this is Ohio State as a foundation and a and a place that's going on go, going all in with Ryan Day. Joe, last thing here, you have Kirby Smart, arguably the biggest face of college football head coaches right now, mm-hmm. okay, tweeting out a link to their collective when Ohio State goes and gets Caleb Downs. So this all happened before Ross Bjork. Now, I will concede one thing that you just said. Start losing. Ross Bjork will fire your ass. 
That's what I'm trying. That, I, I I misworded that. My whole point is that I actually just pulled up his Wikipedia. He's fired a lot of people, like a not just head coaches. Like he's fired and basketball coaches. He is not. A, he's not going to be afraid of doing it if he feels necessary. The clock is on now. This is this is the whole point for anyone who wants to get upset over bringing up this conversation is that with the results of producing the best offseason for a guy like Ryan Day, who we were starting to doubt because of his inability to get as far as they needed to to win a national championship, the pressure increases. And the question that we will now see, can Ryan Day succeed under that pressure? It's a good question. Now, you know, a lot of people will talk about their basketball coach too and Chris uh, Haltman. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But Ross Bjork has not – look, Ross has not necessarily made all great hires after the firing, though. I mean, look, he yeah. had Mark Stoops on the two on the one-yard line and then – you know, I still think Elko is a better hire than Mark Stoops, but that's uh, I don't my necessarily disagree. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree. But what's going to happen if he doesn't have success? Did, by the way, did you see I had a video this week on AYS get 100,000 views on Twitter? Which one was I, it? I went after Texas A&M fans and I was again, like, woo, woo. Okay, because they're midnight yell. Um, let me just say this: because a lot of A&M fans came at me, Ross Bjork had more money than anybody to play with at Texas A&M. Joe, did you know that none of his head coaches, none of them, other than one, got to. A a postseason more than their baseball team, like really? Ross, yeah, Ross Bjork has kind of failed as an AD with the money that he's had. Joe, did you know that A and M's only had two ten win seasons since nineteen ninety eight? He was the one that extended Jimbo Fisher. Now, but, right, right, all right. So, which was a bad decision. Bad decision. Uh, before we get to a break here, you want to talk? Let's touch on Bill O'Brien really quickly. Yeah, I think that we've really Hold on, let's, set this, let's set this up. Let's set this. Go up. ahead. Sorry. Sorry. All right. So, Joe, now that we talked about Chip Kelly and Ryan Day, okay, and obviously Chip Kelly being the new offensive coordinator at Ohio State, obviously now we need to talk about Bill O'Brien, who will now be the next head coach of Boston College. Your thoughts on Bill O'Brien going to be the next head coach in, in at BC? Yeah, we were extremely predictive in talking about this because it really sounded likely that he was going to take the job. And I don't want to rehash the discussion that we had with talking about the off-the-field family dynamics that probably led to this decision. But my biggest thing, I don't fault him for taking this job, as one clearly could argue after Chip Kelly just left the head coaching gig at a better program than Boston College to take the offensive coordinator job. Yes, Ohio State is a better job to have as an OC than it is as a head coach. But I don't fault him for taking this opportunity to be a head coach again at a program where the expectations aren't ridiculously high and that he's good enough of a quarterback developer, an offensive mind, a head coach, that he could get them to a consistent bowl-winning spot. I think that the goal for him is do what Pat Narduzzi's doing at Pitt. Can you get them to that level where them winning the ACC when they did was purely timing and circumstance? Can you just get them in a consistent 7-8 win cycle 
that to me is a success at Boston College because you're realistically not going to be able to do more than that. I do think, though, Joe, we do have – let me just mention, you brought up an interesting point the last time we talked about Bill O'Brien. Obviously, a lot of family situations with him do lead to this. He's been in the New England area for a long time, okay? I do think for him, okay, he gets to be a head coach again, and it obviously helps him with his family situation and dynamic. It's the only reason you make the move. Literally the only reason, okay? Joe, it is so hard to win there. So hard to win at Boston College. So, I don't think that there is any take. I, I think it's hard to – I think, Joe, if he gets them on a consistent basis of eight wins per season, he's going to start getting phone and fielding phone calls from other places. Because when you start winning like that at Boston College, it's a completely different scenario and situation. It's like – let me give an example. It's like LeBron winning at Cleveland. Okay, I know it's a different sport. I know all that stuff. But when you win at certain places, it's different versus like, hey, if you win with the Pittsburgh Steelers or the L.A. Lakers or you win at these franchises that historically are run very well, you, they have a winning culture. Boston College doesn't have that. He doesn't have the talent around that area to recruit at a high level. Okay, now – how much commitment does he have? How much buy-in does he have in from the administration? Can he get them to a seven, eight win a year place? Maybe. I think I think he can. He can. I, I still think Bill O'Brien's a really good coach. It's not a great football decision. It's a great personal decision. It's a horrible football decision because he is never, and I mean ever, going to have the talent. Okay, at Boston College, clearly that he'll have it at Ohio State. Joe, he could take the second string at Ohio State. I guarantee you all of them would play at Boston College and start at Boston College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just a personal thing. And good on him. I'm, ha You know, you do things for your family a lot, okay? As someone who has two small children at home, I would do what is beneficial for them. But it's just not a good football move. I don't. I don't disagree. But and I, I brought this up on the last show, and I, I see that there's people in the comments that have even actually brought this up. I also think that it is important to remember that he has been burned three times in a row at his last three jobs. Alabama, he was rushed, not rushed out the door, but his his head was called for by the fan base. He has been completely clowned on for the way that he handled things with the Texans so much so that it has negatively impacted our perception on him as a college coach. And then he gets fired and let go as the OC and not retained with the new coaching staff that was the same coaching staff that Mayo is taking over with with the New England Patriots. So I do think that all, that has to also come into play here if we remove the family stuff that he might be looking for a, okay, here's a low-pressure head coaching opportunity from where I'm from. 
And even if I get, I really don't think he leaves if he gets gets phone calls to go elsewhere. I, I really think I, that he just I, sticks I because agree. of how badly he's been burned. I would agree with that if he didn't take the Ohio State head coaching job. I think that was all he had to offer. You mean the OC no, job? I, I think mean, it was all he had all on, the, on his plate. If he, if he was just saying, "Hey, I, the pressure's off," he wouldn't have taken the Ohio State job. He's got enough money to do whatever he wants. Okay, yeah, but I don't think he would have. I don't think he had any very many like true that, that's good probably, options. What I'm saying is, coaches don't think like normal human beings. Guys like Bill O'Brien think that they can go into Ohio State or wherever and be really good. I think Bill O'Brien is cut from that cloth. Okay. You do bring up one scenario that any Boston College fan needs to understand. Joe, I I I I think that Bill O'Brien, okay, is unfairly criticized mainly due to what happened at Alabama. I don't think anybody looks at him at what happened in New England and says to themselves, yeah. that's on Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Okay. Nobody. Bad timing. Okay. Houston, Joe, so what? You, he didn't really fail at Houston. He got to a lot of playoff games. He, he won that division a lot. Now, it ended bad, but normally when coaches get fired, that's what happens. He's not a bad coach. I will tell you this. Don't let Alabama fans fool you, Okay. In reference to who Bill O'Brien is, Joe, he averaged 40 points a game. Did you see Bryce Young this year? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold on now. Hold on. I want because my team's in it, Bryce Young made a lot of bad decisions. The Carolina Panthers are bad. Yeah. Fine. Joe, I saw him four times against the Saints try to complete a pass. In triple coverage. I'm not making that up. Okay, like I, I okay. physically saw it okay. with my eyes. Okay. Don't act as if Bryce Young was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. He was, okay, he had shit to work with in Carolina. That's why I don't want to, like, compare the two. Bryce things. has always been a bad decision maker. It's why they lost the SEC West in 2022. It's 1,000% the reason. It was because of their defense. Joe, did you – no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Their defense was – wait. They didn't win the SEC West because of the Tennessee and the, the LSU loss. Okay, but defensively, the way that they played in both of those games – I don't want to rehash this. I don't, I don't I want don't, to – I don't, okay. disagree with you that defensively, we, okay. we all – everybody acts like Bryce – Bill O'Brien was – my point is, everybody acts like Bill O'Brien was the problem. He wasn't always a problem. Yes. Yes. All I'm saying is, is that Bryce Young made a, ro- a lot of shitty decisions. Y'all thought a 5'9 quarterback was going to be able to make great decisions sitting in the pocket. Height, so, does, mm. height has nothing to do with intelligence. <laughs> the reason he's making bad decisions because he can't see nothing. Yo, he's 5'7". Okay, now you're just making him shorter as you're as you're talking. He's five one. All right, what how tall is he now? <laughs> I mean, okay. Can I can I be real with you? Can I be real with you? I'm I, six I'm two. I'm a little worried. Okay. You know that I'm six two. Okay. I've been and stood next to Bryce Young on a sideline at an SEC football game. If he is five eleven, I have a six pack of abs. Okay. I bench over 500 pounds, and I'm a multimillionaire. 
You're acting I, like it's some like unaccomplishable feat for him to happen to be. So I guarantee five foot eleven. You he's five nine. All right, I need to stand next to him so then we can find. Because if, if I'm taller than him, then you're right. Because I'm five eleven. Who's taller, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, or Bryce Young? Bryce Young is taller. Okay. All right. Before we wrap this up, you want to talk about our good friends over at Home Field Apparel? Yeah, let's do it. Rafino and Joe Show is brought to you by Home Field Apparel, which is the best, without a doubt, premium collegiate apparel brand that is out there. They have over 150 different colleges that you can choose from, whether you're an Illinois fan or a Rutgers fan. Maybe you're an LSU fan like Blake, or maybe you're an Alabama fan. Whatever it is, even Idaho, they have so many different designs for so many different football programs that I can guarantee you're going to find some great stuff to help root for your favorite team. I've already gotten my Notre Dame stuff. Blake has his LSU stuff. Make sure you head on over to homefieldapparel.com to check out your team's collection of clothing apparel that they have on the website. And when you do so, when you check out, make sure you use promo code Rafino Joe to get 15% off your order. That is R-U-F-F-I-N-O Rafino Joe. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com and get your college gear today. Speaking of, speaking of the University of Alabama, uh, Joe, this is was one of the funnier things because Ryan Grubb, their offensive coordinator, their new offensive coordinator, is heading or staying technically, I guess, uh, in Seattle as he's going to be the next uh, offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. It's funny because a lot of fans that are not Alabama fans are trying to they they're excited because they feel like they're seeing a downfall at Alabama. And I do think it's funny that Ryan, I mean, Ryan Grubb last week told the Tuscaloosa boosters that he wasn't leaving. They was going to be the next OC, and then he goes to Seattle. But did you see this article that came out before we start talking about Ryan Grubb and where Alabama could go with their next offensive coordinator? Did you see this article about Ryan Grubb potentially already telling the Seahawks that he was going to be their next OC, but wanted yeah. to out Kalen DeBoer because of the portal window at Alabama and didn't want players to hit the portal and like kind of really sleazy type of stuff. It seems like maybe what's going on with Ryan Grubb. Number one, do you buy into that? And I guess obviously the overarching question, what do you think about Ryan Grubb heading back to Seattle? Yeah. I think what you're talking about here from like a coaching standpoint he has to do this where he has this decision to take on the offensive coordinator job and he plans to leave for Seattle to help out a guy that he's got a really good relationship with to not jump ship immediately because all of these guys were already leaving when they brought in the new coaching staff. And I'm sure some were excited about the opportunity to play for Ryan Grubb, but that does not mean that this is not a sleazy decision and a sleazy move by grub to mislead these kids I, I would hope i would hope that there was some direct communication and some honesty but i would probably doubt that that didn't happen i don't think that this negatively really hurts alabama that much 
because the brains behind the whole operation is Kalen DeBoer. You don't hire Kalen DeBoer because you want Ryan Grubb. You hire Kalen DeBoer because you want him. You want the roster-building uh, offensive prowess that he brings to the table. Ryan Grubb was just a nice piece to all this. And as you said in the open, there are options on the current coaching staff that could take over for this for this gig that nothing you know really is going to lose any steam. I, 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 it's just like a really, really weird circumstance with everything. So what do you think about the move, though, for, for Seattle with him going there? I think it's great. I think that to grab uh, an up-and-comer like Grubb, the way that he's been, as he has really rapidly rose in terms of the respect that he has uh, gained throughout the industry is amazing. My biggest thought on this, though, is I think that Seattle... I'm watching what they're doing with that second pick that they have. And if they trade back into the end of the first round, and if they don't try and go and get Michael Penix, I, I think that there is a really strong likelihood now as a team that has been rumored to take a quarterback early that the Seattle Seahawks do not get aggressive and try and go get Michael Penix. At number two? No, 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 not second overall. I'm saying their second round pick. Oh, they take oh, him in the oh, second oh. round or they trade back into the end of the first round and they take him. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. And he could sit behind Geno Smith and, and learn. Uh it would be um I, I wouldn't hate that. I think that Nick Sheridan is somebody that is a name to watch out for. He was the he's been the tight ends coach uh, at Washington. He played quarterback at Michigan. I know that a lot of people who know Nick Sheridan, our good buddy David Cohn, who knows him really well, is a guy that um, I would not, I would keep my eye on, but I don't think it's as a big of a of a of a move or or, or or a departure because I do think Kalen DeBoer, to your point, Joe, could settle in and he could, he could be the play caller. I don't look Ryan Grubb having good coaches on your staff is always a bad thing when they go somewhere else. Yeah, but. I know a lot of people are over I, – I say overreacting, but reacting this because it's Alabama and, you know, this kind of stuff probably wouldn't happen under Nick, you know, right? Like things like this would normally just be pretty even kill. But I, I, I got to admit, it's not as big of a, a of a departure from an offensive standpoint. I don't know, though, if you don't look around and bring in an OC who fits your – type of personality and fits your type of system that doesn't have Southern ties. Because I do think you've got to start bringing in some Southern coaches in here for recruiting. Purposes. Well, he did that with the DC, which is true. Good. True. I'm talking about offensively though. You're okay. going to have to start bringing, you're going to have to bring in some guys here that have Southern ties. Now you can't just keep bringing in West Coast guys, Northern guys to Alabama. It's not going to bode well for you. I'm Joe, I'm telling you, I've lived in the South my whole life. It ain't going to work. I think another name to pay attention to here that's on the current staff. I, I really actually don't think that they go outside the current staff. I'd actually be really shocked if I they I would be did. shocked too. Jamarcus Shepard, yep. who was the receivers coach that was brought over, that was the receivers coach with Washington and that was the best unit on the field that I don't think enough people recognized and gave credit for what we saw with Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan that 
all three of those guys are going to be top 100 picks in the upcoming draft. It is going to be amazing to see those guys play in the NFL because of the coaching that they received and the rapid development that they had under Shepard. He also was a co-OC for Purdue from 2018 mm-hmm. to 2021. I believe that was under Brom when Brom was there at Purdue. So you're getting a guy who has been an offensive of coordinator same before. philosophy type fit too. Right. I really think that Shepard makes a lot of sense. And then, um, you know, the, uh, blanking on who the guy you just said, though, that would make a lot of sense as well. Uh, you're talking about um, Nick Sheridan. Yes, Sheridan. Um, Scott Huff, their offensive line coach, could also be leaving Alabama to go to Seattle too. Joe, you, you know what the crazy thing in all of these coaching hires for me is? And and, and even talking about this one about with Alabama. I do think that there is one thing that goes untalked or does not get talked about enough. Joe, we're about a month away from a lot of these teams entering spring practices. And they do not have one central voice that they have listened, that Mm -hmm. they have heard since, you know, since Nick left. I do think that there is and can be some worry of, hey, man, we've had a lot of turnover, not only on the staff. But in 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 that locker room, I, I do think Alabama right now, Joe, has more question marks around them than they've had in the last two decades. And clearly they do. But I, I do start questioning how Kalen DeBoer is going to respond to all this. I don't think it's a big of an issue from a play calling standpoint. I do, however, do believe it can be a big issue if you continue to have a rotating door, a rotating uh, a coaching staff coming in and out of there when you don't have one central voice. Because if Scott Huff leaves, he's had a month to get to know these guys, okay? Restructure a lot of what's going on along that offensive line with guys like Proctor leaving. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it's a I, – I, where I where I don't uh, – where I wouldn't worry for Alabama is play calling. Where I do worry is continuity. And I don't. I do think that that's a one thing that we never discuss because Joe, they're going to hit spring in about what a month, thirty days from now. Joe, they don't have a central voice, and that that can be a massive problem. I mean, that's the checks and balances of having a really good coaching staff and being a good coach and having all these guys that want to come be yeah, a part but not of it. This late into the year, though, or not, it's or, something or, they can't really control. Though the timing of of Saban leaving and him getting hired happens to correspond with right when everybody in the NFL was looking for their coordinators and all this stuff with all these guys moving around. I, I don't think he could really control it, but I understand what you're saying that Nick Saban had a much more talented coaching staff and those guys rarely left unless they got a home run job offer. And he was not able to keep his guys. DeBoer was not able to keep any of the, you know, a lot of these guys. I I hope this is not telling of the future that there's going to be a lot of coaching and roster turnover every single year because that is where Alabama ultimately is going to get killed. I know a lot of, I know one thing that is 100% true though. Everybody outside of Tuscaloosa is loving every single second of this downfall. And well, I do think that Alabama fans really, Joe, I'm going to continue to say it. They better temper expectations. They better because Joe, I'm gonna. I think Kalen DeBoer is a good coach. Don't again, don't get twisted. What I'm trying to say, 
he has never been in a conference week in, week out where he's going to have to face this. It's going to be yeah. a it's going to be a massive learning curve for Alabama fans. Joe, they've never, ever, in the last twenty years, only one year where they didn't have a regular season of double digit wins. In the regular season, there's a law of the very strong likelihood that does not happen this year. They're gonna they're gonna win only nine games. I, I'm I'm willing to commit to that. Maximum the ceiling's nine. It's going to be hard to get over that. It's going to be very hard to get over that. Very hard because they got they got Georgia, but they got to go to Baton Rouge. They got okay. Texas and Texas. I do they, or do they go to Oklahoma? Because they had Texas in back to back years. That's the only reason why I'm asking. Uh, I think they got Oklahoma. Yeah, they don't have Texas. They got Oklahoma. They, no, they don't have. Oh, they they do at Oklahoma, which still. They got to play Mercer. They got to play Mercer. That's a tough one. Oh, God. So they got Georgia at Baton Rouge at Norman. Yeah. Yep. And at at Tennessee. Eh. Uh, Tennessee can be good this Uh, year. Wait, we saw the – look, if you're having a – I think more than Nico, I think they might have like six kids suspended. I'm hearing some things. I don't want to unpack that just yet. But if this is a down year, which the early start of the season for them is easy, except for potentially getting their – First at Auburn game. Auburn is at home. But I'm saying middle of the year, October 19th, having to go to Tennessee while you're trying to get your feet underneath you, that's a trap. That's That's a trap game. Okay. We'll see. Before we get out of here, you want to talk about um, very quickly Robert Livingston being the new DC at Colorado? Uh, we can, or do we want to save that for tomorrow? Because we won't have as much. Talk we, about. we we can save that for tomorrow. You want to make a Super okay. Bowl pick here? Chiefs 31, 49ers 17. Oh, God, stop. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Two different, two different outcomes in the AFC Championship games. The 49ers had to rely on shitty coaching decision-making by Dan Campbell in order to get back in that football game. And the Chiefs played a defense, the only defense to ever, I yeah, think it's... Because the, Baltimore didn't make any coaching and shitty decisions. Wait, wait, they, that defense is one of the only defenses, or I think the only defense to lead in the NFL in sacks, points allowed, and turnovers. That's one of the best defenses in the history of the NFL. And they kicked the shit out of them. That was a lopsided game. They kicked the shit out of them. You picked the team that showed that they belonged to be in the game, not the one that had to make the late comeback. I also, final thought, a lot of the pressures against Baltimore came up the middle from Chris Jones in the interior defensive line. The 49ers have a terrible interior offensive line, and I think that Brock Purdy, a guy who can move, will not be able to escape pressure up the middle. The stuff off the edges is where he's going to be able to escape. You're picking the 49ers, it sounds like? Let's go. Let's go, Shanahan. Let's get this shit done. 27-24, 49ers. Brock Purdy's going to get smoked. Six sacks. He's going to get sacked six times. No, he's not. He's immobile. Oh, that's also not true. All I care about him throwing two picks and Christian McCaffrey wins 
Do you want an entire MVP? listening about Taylor Swift? I don't, I don't think that we're going to talk about it at all. I think Travis Kelsey, if they win, retires, and then we're not going to talk about it at all. I doubt it. I, I, I bet if they win, he retires. Because he could – I mean, he's he played well this year, but, like, you can kind of see he's not moving that well as he used to. Like, it's starting to catch up to him. Yeah, he he he, he could be singing that Toby Keith song, Rest in Peace. I ain't as good as I once was, but I was good more as I ever was. You have a beautiful How old voice. were you in 2001? Three. Okay, so you don't remember when Toby Keith I know the song, the song. We'll put song. a boot in your ass. It's the American way. You don't remember any of that. Uh-uh. God, you're so young. Uh, I do think... I do think that the 49ers pass rush could get to... My homeboy, more than people are expecting. I do think defensively, San Francisco's yeah. front seven is a lot better than people are realizing, and I don't think that the Chiefs' O-line is as good as people make them out to be. Well, the reason why people are kind of poo-pooing the 49ers' defensive line is because it's really talented and it has not been as productive as it should be. We'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Hey, Thanks. Uncle Sam, put this name on the top of his list. The Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist. You don't like Toby Keith? I mean, I don't mind him. It's not a, I'm not a big country guy. Rest in peace, Toby Keith. All right, we'll see you guys again Monday. Let's go 49ers. We'll see you all soon. Peace.